Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Good morning, everyone on the West Coast, and good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast. I'm Patricia Raskin for Patricia Raskin Positive Living, and I have a, a, a really special topic for you today and a wonderful guest. We're talking about recovery. You know, so many people today have addictions, whether it's shopping or drinking or whether it's sex or gambling or food or computers. Um, the list goes on and on. Uh, and today we're talking about how we can work in recovery and how we can be mindful. My guest is Therese Jacob-Stewart. She's the founder of Mind Roads Meditation Center, which integrates contemplative practices from both East and West and is the home of St. Paul, Minnesota's chapter of 12 Steps and Mindfulness Meetings. She's the author, also the author of Paths Are Made by Walking, Practical Steps for Ma- Attaining Serenity, which I was privileged to interview Therese about several years ago. Her brand new book is called Mindfulness and the 12 Steps, Living Recovery in the Present Moment. Welcome, Therese. Thank you. Now, we're talking about this before, the, uh, before we went on the air. Is this book for people who are in recovery, people who have been through 12-step programs, whether it's alcohol or drinking or whatever it is, uh, or is this for people, for any person who wants to use these principles as a way of enriching their life? You know, I would hope that it would be for the latter, that it's really for anybody that wants to look at these principles and how they can affect their way of living. And as you were saying when we were, you know, you were introducing it, so many um, things in our in our way of living today, shopping, television, uh, gambling, they do lead to compulsive um, uh, or kind of one-minded attachment. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it really has something to offer for, um, you know, most people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's talk about how this book is a little bit different from other recovery books. There are lots of books on recovery mm-hmm. and specific types of recovery for the specific addictions that people have. But yours is really for anyone in recovery of any type. How is it different? Well, that's an interesting question um, because I think that this book kind of takes the circle all the way around back to um, that the principles of 12-step and of the Eastern traditions of mindfulness are really for anybody. And um, in the meetings that we have, in this movement that's kind of uh, begun around the country, mindfulness and the 12-steps meetings, it's open to anybody that's participating in any kind of 12-step program. Hmm. And, Let's explain um, what 12-steps are. Let's unique. explain what that is for people who don't know. I'm sorry? Let's explain what 12 steps are for people who don't know. Well, I think that um, they, when did they start? Probably in the 50s, to my knowledge, um, the founders of AA 
uh, mapped out 12 steps. Um, the, and I don't think they started with all 12. When I've read some of the history, they maybe started out with six and it grew into 12. But it's really a very practical way to turn your life around. And, um, you know, they started it for people that were having drinking problems, but the idea was to live with a greater serenity and um, to stop being compulsive, stop hurting yourself, stop hurting other people. So they are very practical. You know, you go through these um, action steps to get to the end that you desire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think it's interesting that when I first started, I'm, I belonged to 12 Steps since I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And I started out um, as a family member of an alcoholic, and so I went to... Um, adult children of alcoholics and Al-Anon to help me be able to get over the, you know, grief and anger of that and self-destructive habits and then along the way recognized that I was um, using amphetamines in a really unhealthy way and so have gone back and forth between those two 12-step programs. And early on, well, probably four years into it, I read about the um, some ancient Christian practices called the Ignatian Exercises. And in the early literature of AA in the 1950s, they really talked about what they described as the spiritual movements that happen in the 12 Steps as being so similar to these 16th century practices. And now in this book, I'm talking about Um, the similarity between practices that are 2,000 years old. So I really think that the founders of um, AA and Al-Anon and 12-step programs kind of captured this essence that other people that have been spiritual seekers have also um, pursued and applied to their life. So... When we, when we look at this, one of the words that you use is mindfulness. What do you mean by mindfulness? Well, that, you know, mindfulness now I think is getting to be a kitchen table word and, and probably it draws up a picture in each of our minds. And if we compared all those pictures, they would probably be different. Um, I think what's meant in the ancient way of using that word, and when I'm using it, what's meant is it's a certain quality of attention that you bring to each moment. And, um, you know, by contrast, I think many of us are walking around the world and we're not really here in the moment. We're thinking about what happened yesterday or something that's bugging us or some problem we're chewing on. And um, we're, we're, the present is here, but we're not really, we're not really with it. Uh, we're not really paying attention. And mindfulness is that quality of coming into the here and now. It's also that quality of coming into the here and now without a lot of judgment on yourself or other people. So it's trying to take that, that, those layers of evaluation chatter that we've all got going on and really... Um, the practice of mindfulness meditation helps you to, um, stop, you know, kind of get get around that, stop mm-hmm. paying attention so much to the chatter of your mind, and really enter into the moment with this quality of non-judgmental attention. So, what would you say to people who 
are afraid of meditation because they think they have to totally quiet and still their mind. Yes, I think can do something to help them if they're ruminating, which often in recovery and in addiction is part of our issue if we go over and over and over something. And over and over and over, um, and maybe over and over and over with a lot of self-criticism or mm-hmm. um, blame of other people. And I think that that um, the, the training in mindfulness meditation helps us to relax, first of all, and second of all, to let those thoughts, you practice when you're sitting in your chair on the cushion, you practice rather than trying to make your mind be quiet, or make yourself be a certain way, you practice letting whatever comes up, come up, but you practice letting it go on by. And often the image that's used there is kind of like the clouds in the sky. Remember when you were a kid and you'd lay in the grass and just watch the clouds go by, and some of those are stormy and some of those are puffy. And likewise with our thoughts, some of them are harmful or toxic and some of them are are um, filled with gratitude, but we just want to practice uh, letting them go by so we create that, that space between ourselves and the thoughts. And it's that space between the thoughts where that quietude arises. Mm-hmm. So it's kind yeah. of the opposite of what you think when you're starting. You're thinking so you're what you're to try to make is... yourself do something, and really you try to relax into not doing anything. Right. Because I think what happens for a lot of folks that uh, ruminate or have addictive issues or addictive thinking, the thought takes us over and then we become scared and we go down into an abyss. And I think what you're saying is if you can allow that thought to go through but not be so attached to it Mm -hmm. so that you're kind of watching it float, and you can detach and watch it go by like a cloud rather than have it stick to you. Yes. That happens for us. Yes. And I think another element in there, um, the way that I like to work with people when I'm teaching mindfulness meditation is to also really create um, the, the bigger mindset of loving kindness toward oneself. And I think that that's, important to be able to um, not be judging about the thoughts, not be scared that if I sit still for a few minutes, my my mind will just chatter, chatter, or my emotions will come up and they'll be uh, overwhelming. Um, so we put ourselves into this larger field or this larger energy of loving kindness as we sit, and I think that that's needed so that even if the thoughts that come up might be not so pretty, we can let go of judging that and we can mm-hmm. let go of um, being harsh with ourselves about it and mm-hmm. then let it go. Yeah, I also think, too, and I, I'd like you to comment on this, is that when those thoughts come in and they take us over in a sense, we sometimes, our mind will play a trick on us and we think that, we're going to be stuck with those thoughts forever. Yes. It's almost a panic kind of, oh, my God, here I go again. Oh, yes. I'm thinking about it again. Oh, I, you know, and it's, and then it's, um, and then the next sentence is, I'm stuck, I'm done, 
I have no self-control, mm-hmm. I can't stop it. I mean, it just, the litany goes on. I mean, I've heard this from many people. And then, and of course, I can't control myself. I'm a bad be like, person. Get me out of here. Let me distract myself. Let me yeah. let me get away from myself. Yeah. And that's the stuff that addiction is born from. When um, actually, I think that the idea in in the Eastern uh, philosophy, and I really like this a lot. The very simple thought, but it's that we cause, um, you know, a great deal of our suffering inside is caused not by the outside thing that happens, but by this inside response to it, these exact kinds of thoughts that you were talking about, Patricia, and that we either cling to those thoughts, meaning we believe them, we go over them and over them and over them, and they take us over, and that is like feeding them what one of the um, Eastern teachers called, we're, we're making those thoughts our boss, uh, the boss of us. And on the other side, we're, we may um, try to push them away. So then we're like, no, no, I can't think that. No, I don't want to think that. Or let me make this, this sorrow go away because I, I want to be happy. And actually doing either of those, either attaching or clinging to our thoughts, making them our boss or trying to push them away, um, makes, makes them stick harder. Uh, they, they will hang around longer than if we just relax with them and notice them coming up and then let them go on their merry way. Um, and sometimes... They need some attention, but I think that if we're not really feeding them or pushing them away, they need a lot less attention than we're than we fear that they do. And it's absolutely it's, all right. We're going to take a break, Therese. My okay. guest is Therese Jacob Stewart. Her book is Mindfulness and the Twelve Steps. Therese Jacob Stewart is a counselor, a woman in recovery. She's the founder of Mind Roads Meditation Center, which integrates contemplative practices from both East and West. And her book, her brand new book again, is Mindfulness and the 12 Steps, which offers us a fresh approach in developing our own spiritual path through the Buddhist practice of mindfulness. All right, folks, you're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to get freed up? Join Dr. Jennifer Freed, one of America's leading psychological thinkers, for a groundbreaking program with fascinating guests and full participation from you. Freed Up will explore topics like liberation in long-term relationships, parenting in the 21st century, comfort in stressful times, and much more. Tune in to Freed Up every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and wake up to the heartbeat of your life. Wielding power, shaping environments and outcomes, and making things happen are all essential characteristics of great leaders. Yet these qualities alone are not enough to ensure your success. In a complex world, how do you decide what's most important to you? In your career, your relationships, your finances, your family, in the world around you, in the whole of your life at large. 
Dr. Joseph Riggio, the host of Leadership Intuition, says that personal leadership, the desire to take charge of your life, is the key to creating futures that work and building a life worth living. Join Joseph as he reveals the power of uncovering and living your own personal mythology, the key to personal transformation, exquisite performance, and social influence. Learn to look inside and discover your personal mythology and unique leadership style. Go beyond conventional advice and discover your unique success blueprint on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Sonnier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Sonnier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi everyone, you are listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on Voice America, America's Voice. And I have a great guest today. My guest is Therese Jacob-Stewart. Her book is Mindfulness and the Twelve Steps, Living Recovery in the Present Moment. And Therese has written several books, and she is here with us today to really talk about what is it that we can do to bring more peace and joy into our life. I think that's really important. Therese has been a practicing psychologist, workshop developer, and international consultant for more than 20 years. She's the founder of Mind Roads Meditation Center, a hub for a variety of classes and workshops featuring ancient spiritual practices and modern scientific principles of how the mind functions. Welcome back, Therese. Thank you, Patricia. Okay. Let's talk about how we can incorporate the Buddhist teachings about mindfulness and the 12 steps of recovery. How did you start to incorporate them, and how do you bring them together? You know, I started to incorporate them after I had spent a year in a monastery uh, which I did, again, probably four or five years into my own personal recovery. And it's kind of an interesting story. It seems that a friend of mine had gone to this particular retreat center. At that time, it was in Sedona, Arizona, called Nada. Hmm. And it was not a Spanish word for emptiness. And this friend over lunch was telling me about it. And, you know, I just had this kind of, uh, swelling up inside of myself of interest and desire, like I have to go. And I had been reading at that time another book that's called With Open Hands by Henri Nguyen, and he was a Dutch writer who had gone to a, a Trappist monastery, and he had written this beautiful book about his experience of contemplative silence and simple work and so it, at that moment, I had been reading that book, and my friend is telling me about this retreat center he went to, and I just, you know, said I had to go. And so I um, had no attachments at that time. I, I took a leave from my work, and I intended to go there for a week and ended up staying for a year and lived this very simple life of uh, 
you know, meditation six times a day and simple work. I did the laundry and lived in this little hermitage, and we mm-hmm. didn't talk. And the only mm-hmm. person we talked to was the spiritual director you met with once a week. And was that difficult? Pardon? Was that difficult? You know, I I think that it was both difficult and very rich, and I believe that I went there thinking that it would be the cure for my problems. You know, oh, okay, now we'll just get a spiritual bypassing. We'll just meditate and rise above, rise above things. And in some ways it's true, but mostly... Mostly it was a very intimate encounter with no distraction and learning these techniques of meditation. And that became so very, very important to my own recovery to be able to let go of those obsessive thoughts and to be able to find a peacefulness in a deeper place within and... um, and so I just began personally to have these two paths. One was 12 steps and one was meditation. And, uh, and that was 30-some years ago now. And I just continued to study. And they organically started coming together that one seemed to inform the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, for example, just even take the very the first step of 12 steps, which is the we admitted we were powerless over our addiction or powerless over our mm-hmm. compulsion and our lives had become unmanageable. Yes. So that's, that's like facing that you really can't, can't handle this and you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. And that idea in 12-step happens the moment you walk into the meeting and there's this fellowship of other people and it give you hope that you can be happy like they are and you mm-hmm. can live differently and it's possible to get through this um, difficulty. And likewise, there's a beautiful, beautiful image that comes from the East that talks about how we are all part of a web of energy. It's called the web of Indra where everybody is interconnected. And uh, I think that when you are in addiction or in compulsion, that one of the things you feel is very alone, mm-hmm. very ashamed, you know, it's a secret, double life, mm-hmm. or you're ashamed of what's going on with your loved one if you're in a relationship with them, or you're ashamed of your dependency on them. And that this very first step of the 12 steps breaks that apart, and you're not alone. And in the Eastern meditation, it's a very fundamental idea of being part of this greater web, a part of this whole interbeing. And mm-hmm. I think that that comforts one's heart in a really deep place. And just that example is how these two paths, one very ancient, one somewhat more modern, you know, were, they were kind of saying the same thing, it seemed to me, only with the different... A little bit different language, and um, and so I started thinking about them. Um, and in the meanwhile, in the country, um, there was out in San Francisco, they started doing meditation and recovery groups. And about five or six years ago, a woman from a local Zen priest, Judith Regeer, uh, had started one up, and. Uh, 
and this organic intertwining, um, I think, is the topic that's explored in those meetings. So I started, uh, I think I started out being a guest speaker for them, and we decided to start a chapter at my center, and, just and I think it's there. something that's just uh, mushrooming or blossoming yeah. around the country. So let's talk about what people can do. Let's talk about, you know, if somebody is, wants to enhance their recovery, Mm-hmm. What are some of the exercises in the book? What are some things that they could do every day, you know, without necessarily having to go to the ashram or the meditation center? But if they're in recovery or they find that their mind, you know, their mind is running away with them and they're losing control of other parts of their life, how can mm-hmm. this help them and what, what could you offer? Well, I think in the book, Patricia, I really do go through each of the 12 steps and offer a suggestion for practice, Um, you know, that would be, if you're practicing first step of the 12 steps, and here's a practice you can do, and then move to the second one, and here's a practice you can do. So I think that the the book itself acts as a kind of practical uh, manual, um, and some of the the suggestions in there, the first one would be to really consider doing quiet time every day, doing some some meditation practice, and I outline some instruction in there. I I don't think you have to have a bunch of props. I think you can just sit, sit in your chair at your kitchen table and practice this idea of when I sit, I'm sitting in this great community of all the other recovering people, and all the other meditators, and mm. uh, and then go on to begin to train the mind to let go of thoughts, mm. uh, let go of thinking about the past or the future. And mm. in that second step, it's sort of talking about coming to. Uh, and so we awaken, and that's a very fundamental Eastern idea, is sit quietly, let the thoughts go by, and that is a practice that helps you come more and more into the moment, and I, I give very clear, you know, sit down, listen to your breath in your body, feel it going in and out of your belly, pretend your thoughts are going by like like clouds in the sky, and try to do that for 10 minutes. Yeah. And um, over over time, that very simple thing... So you don't have to clear the mind. You don't have to totally clear the mind. Not a, you don't even try to clear the mind. Um, you, what you do is just let whatever arises, um, you know, worry or regret or, um, you know, angry. You, you just let it, wherever you're at, you just, you just relax the mind and you just watch it. That's the key part. You're watching it go by. And by the fact of watching it go by, instead of, getting into those thoughts or instead of trying to make your mind be quiet, then you're creating this space between yourself and your thoughts and you're developing what they call this observing mind. And your thoughts start by that very simple thing that sounds like nothing. Your thoughts start to have less control over you because you're watching them instead of having them be your boss. We're going to take a break. When we come back, my guest is Therese Jacobs-Stewart. Mindfulness in the 12 Steps is the name of her book, Living Recovery in the Present Moment. A counselor and woman in recovery, Therese Jacobs-Stewart is the founder of Mind Roads Meditation Center, which integrates 
contemplative practices from both East and West. For those of us in recovery, mind and the 12, mindfulness in the 12 steps offers a fresh approach to developing our own spiritual path to the Buddhist practice of mindfulness or bringing one's awareness to focus on the present moment. You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi everyone, we are back. You are listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on VoiceAmerica.com and I have a great guest for you today. Her name is Therese Jacobs-Stewart and she is the author of the new book, which is called Mindfulness and the 12 Steps, Living Recovery in the Present Moment. Therese Jacobs-Stewart has been a practicing psychologist, workshop developer, and an international consultant for more than 20 years. She's the founder of the Mind Roads Meditation Center, a hub for a variety of classes and workshops featuring ancient spiritual practices and modern scientific principles of how the mind functions. Previously, she wrote Paths Are Made by Walking, Practical Steps for Attaining Serenity, which I interviewed her on, which is a unique synthesis of science and spirit. 
and offers 20 basic principles and practices designed to helping us establish more healthy emotional responses to the stresses of everyday life. Welcome back, Therese. Thank you, Patricia. We're talking about the 12 steps, and we're talking about um, 12 steps of recovery and some of the mindfulness practices that you have added to that that we can do. We talked about certainly sitting in a meditative state. What are some other things we can do around the steps? Yes. You know, and just your introduction reminds me if I can say something and Mm -hmm. and, uh, comment on that before we move into um, other practices, which is that idea that and doing meditation also does change the chemistry and even some of the structure of the brain. So when we talk about having our thoughts not be as powerful, especially the thoughts that are negative or, uh, uh, you know, that, that feed resentment or self-contempt, it's also not only a soothing uh, everyday practice, but it can change these neural pathway patterns in the brain that have developed over our lifetime. And I think that that is such a, an amazing aspect to this, that not only does it help you psychologically, but it can affect your uh, actual brain pathways. And to me, that was kind of one of the most compelling arguments for taking the time out of a busy life to actually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that as the foundation, I, uh, you know, the 12 steps go on to uh, give advice about living, and there's the middle, the middle steps, you know, steps four, five, and six, and that middle part really talks about taking an inventory of ourselves, a fearless and searching inventory, and to really be able to get comfortable with uh, admitting when we're wrong. Mm-hmm. and making amends for when we're wrong. And uh, I think that that is, you know, on a really practical level, a really good way to live. Um, but I think, again, you have to, you have to be uh, able to have a certain amount of security in yourself to be able to promptly admit when you're wrong and, and make amends, although that has been uh, a mainstay of many, many spiritual traditions. And in the book, I talk about one, uh, one particular practice called Nikon, and that uh, came out of Japan, and it's a practice for taking inventory. And I, I really like it because that word inventory is kind of like, ooh, that, that, that seems hard and yucky. But um, this is uh, three reflective questions that you ask yourself. And um, Nikon is N-A-I-K-A-N. Sounds like the camera, but not spelled like the camera. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that they are very non-judgmental questions, gentle questions, but but rich in in the insights that they offer. So the first Give us one an example. You, you think about your day, and you think about uh, the question is, what have I received? So what have I received from other people? What have I received from the universe? So just really thinking about the gifts of your day. And in in Nikon, you try to make them absolutely concrete. So it's not just like, oh, I have food, oh, I have clothing. You think about, I I had this great cup of Colombian coffee. I had this wonderful Mm. huckleberry jam that my sister brought me from Montana. So it's appreciation. Very much a very concrete paying attention to the small things, letting your heart feel the gratitude. And I think it's a, 
I think it's a habit for lots of humans to latch on to the things that we don't have. You know, oh, I wish this happened or I wish that happened. And it's very easy. It's very easy to um, skip over or go over with just a light touch on the things that are are things we can feel grateful for. And that's a very much promoted in 12 Steps and, and other spiritual practices, this feeling grateful, allowing ourselves to notice. And this is the first question. So you start with it and you just get... I think that the thing that also makes it so powerful is you make it so concrete because you can't really dispute mm -hmm. that you had that huckleberry jam or that you had that warm water in your shower. And you don't mm -hmm. skip over it. You really think of that smile on your loved one's face. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful way to start taking inventory. Just spend those moments soaking in mm -hmm. these things that yeah, have it's been a, given it's to Yeah, it's really you. appreciation for what you have. Yes, because a lot of times we're so much more supported than we feel. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second question is, what have I given back? And that's, I think, a, a question for me. When I would hear it, I'd usually get kind of scared, like, oh, no, I haven't given much back. But again, if you stop to think about it, um, you know, the little things that you've done for other people, stopping, bothering to say thank you back to them, um, you know, doing something that will help somebody out, you notice that and you get very concrete with what you did. Oh, yes, I made coffee at the meeting. Oh, yes, I wrote my friend and said thank you for their dinner. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was kind to my coworker even when I didn't really want to be, something like that. Mm -hmm. I brought them coffee and dropped it off at their desk. So you think about it, and it does give you a chance. On one hand, if you tend to be the kind of person that um, doesn't doesn't really think you do enough, you know, maybe you have that going on, you can step and go, oh, I do give. Look at I do give. Or in the case of many codependent types, they maybe find I overgive. Oh, look at that. I'm overgiving, and I'm giving, you know, in a way that's hurting myself. Or you might find that you are pretty self-absorbed and you don't give enough. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a very powerful question. Just go, well, what have I given back? And, mm -hmm. and what kind of balance does that look like? And just right there, I think that most of us discover that we, um, you know, can never give back in the bounty that we've received. And that there's a certain kind of awe in that. Like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I don't earn this love. I just... I'm just given it, and that that's a that's a humble kind of um, thanksgiving, mm. and um, a very spiritual touching, like that grace of God touches your heart when you realize um, that that you can't possibly give back enough, and uh, yet you maybe want to try to get yourself more in balance, or you try to give more if you're kind of self-absorbed. Mm. And then the third question is, and what difficulty have I caused? And you really stop and think about that. What difficulty have I caused today, even if I didn't mean to cause difficulty, which, mm -hmm. you know, you can sometimes think, well, I had to do this, and I know that the other person didn't really like it, but I had to do it, and yet I acknowledge that it caused difficulty. And other times you see that you've 
you have blind spots or you like you were a jerk and you really did cause difficulty or you mm-hmm. you know you really um, were withholding so it's so it's that really question is very important it's you know where have I gone wrong what can I appreciate in my life really becoming very honest about who you are and what you've done both negatively and positively yeah. owning that shadow side so to speak because we all have it and the thing about mindfulness is that to become more aware and I love that word, more honest, more Mm -hmm. able to face that I have a shadow, I am imperfect, I have to accept Mm -hmm. that, and then take care of business, clean up or make amends, Mm -hmm. and so you don't have to drag that stuff around. Um, It's this practice of every day, um, by, by the time you go to sleep, take a look at your day, try to make peace with it. It's a wonderful way to live. Mm. All right, we have a couple minutes left. What's another strategy people can use to enhance and enrich their life, whether they're in a recovery program or not, Therese? Uh, well, I, um, I, uh, I'm, at a, I'm at a loss when you ask me one because there are so many choices. Um, I think of one I wrote about in the book, uh, hugging meditation when you are hugging with somebody this comes from Thich Nhat Hanh to really breathe that in and mm. go yes um, I know that this person is here for me and I am so happy and I know for, for me I've had a lot of fear in my life and it's even fear that people I love are not, not going to be there they'll get ill and die or something like that and this practice very simple but to just really breathe in and be present um, with my husband, with my mm. grandkids, with my friends. I know you are here for me, and I am so happy. Just that thought, you know, watering the seeds of those kinds of thoughts, mm-hmm. growing those kinds of thoughts, yeah. I think is a powerful counteracting to yeah, fear. Absolutely. Really bringing in what's working. All right, tell us uh, where you're going to be and how people can find out about your work. We, I want to invite everyone who's listening to join us um, in, a, in a couple of different ways. We have um, in St. Paul, Minnesota, a Monday evening meeting, Mindfulness in the 12 Steps. And we um, have a link on our website, which is www.mindroads.com. Mm-hmm. And we blog a couple times a month from the meeting. Um, and we post audio recordings of some of the meetings, and so you can really be a fly on the wall in our meeting. You can really join us wherever you are, and I know I'm getting emails and requests of people who have read the book around the country, Maine and Los Angeles and Texas. How can we start a meeting like this? Mm-hmm. And um, in, by plugging in with us, at least you have a virtual seat in our meeting, and that would be a way to be part of our extended community you can mm. post reflections or questions and mm-hmm. listen to mm-hmm. some of They can be part of a group online. Pardon? They can be part of a group online. Yes, and that's, a, that's an amazing thing. So it's at www.mindroads.com or on Facebook, a group page, 12 Steps, and, or I'm sorry, Mindfulness and 12 Steps Sangha, okay. which is the Eastern word for community, and you can find us through Facebook as well. Okay. I'm also uh, around, so I do have a part on my website of different speaking I'm doing. I, I have in the spring, for example, Patricia, you and I were talking offline. I'm giving a retreat at, at the Hazelden Center. Hazelden is the publisher of this book, which 
uh, it has a renewal center for people in recovery, and I'll be giving a retreat in March of 2011, so uh, people can find that through the Hazelden website. Um, the Renewal Center offers many wonderful retreats, but we would love to meet you um, and see you in the spring. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Therese, for being on the program. Thank you for having me, Patricia. It's nice to be able to talk with you again. Yes. Stay, stay on the line. My guest has been Therese Jacob-Stewart. Her book is Mindfulness and the Twelve Steps, Living Recovery in the Present. And your website, one more time is mindroads, www.mindroads.com. Okay. Thanks so much, Therese. Thank you. Remember, everyone, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin for Voice America and for Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Stay tuned. Have a great week and a great Monday. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.